Good morning. Thank you for the prayers. I really do appreciate it. Uh, you can turn with me in your Bibles to the book of uh, 1 Samuel. Give you a moment to get ahead. And uh, we're looking at this sermon series called Unstuck. Um, more than just a New Year's resolution, uh, we're really wanting to set ourselves up for the life of God to flow into our lives, and uh, that we could live the the uh, the most uh, that we could live with the with the life of God flowing through us as He wants to. Uh, so I won't ask you to put up your hands, but I'm sure we would all agree from time to time that it's very easy to be stuck in a kind of place in our lives. We're stuck going around the same old, same old. We feel like we're on a treadmill of the mundane, not getting any closer to this, quote, perfect life that we uh, feel as though we should live. It's amazing to me how we always uh, have this drive for progress, have this beautiful picture of where we want to be in mind, but we feel so easily like we're going through the motions and we're not actually getting any closer to where we want to be. You try your hardest and yet you might not get where you're wanting to get to. And I'm becoming more and more aware of how many of us live lives of quiet desperation. It's easy to feel like we're on a hamster wheel. We're not going where we want to. We're enduring. We're dissatisfied. But at the same time, we just don't feel like we've got the resources to do anything about it. And I talk to people all the time, uh, myself included sometimes, and I feel like sometimes it's easier for us to complain about our lot in life than to actually change our lot in life. And uh, so when we're talking about being unstuck, that's really the goal. We, we're taking away the right to excuse, and instead we're owning up to the let me do something about it. So rather than just saying, man, I, I wish I should be... Uh, Better off in a certain area, we're going to say, well, let me put some, uh, some thought towards it. So most often, people are happy to complain and not to do. Uh, we can com complain about a lack of breakthrough, but uh, we're not really willing to do what the Bible says to actually get breakthrough. I complain that my wife is giving me trouble, but then I don't actually get to grips with God and allow Him to come into our situation. How many, uh, I said last week, how many of us... Uh, uh, go through struggles in life, but by the time they come to one of the elders for some help, uh, when everything's falling apart, it's like you, you need to say, well, how's your Bible reading? How's your prayer time? You know, it, we just, if we can just get the, ba the basics right, often it'll help us with what we're wanting to do. We all dream of being debt-free, having cash for Christmas, being able to send our kids for, to varsity without having to get a loan. We dream of exercising enough, eating well, having time for our friends and family, maybe even time for a hobby. I mean, don't all those things sound good? But at the same time, we still find we're stuck in the same things. We can, we can uh, long for years uh, to put those things into our lives. Um, it's also very easy for us to look at other people and just assume that they have it easier than we do. Oh, if you had my circumstances, then you would also be struggling the same way I am. And we excuse ourselves. We let ourselves off the hook. But uh, So they did this study of 10,000 um, 
millionaires in America, thanks Dwayne, and uh, they realize that most, the, the high majority of people in this category didn't inherit the money. The third most common job was that of teacher. Most of them had average incomes. Most of them lived in medium-sized houses, which they were able to afford to pay off early. Most of them went to government schools, so I'm in good company. Uh, most of them got a B average or less, so that puts me in good company again. Uh, most of them exercise three times a week, and most of them give to church or charity monthly. Now, it's so easy to say, oh, you must be rich like I want to be rich because you had a rich, you inherited. But the truth is, these are just normal people. And so sometimes we can look at other people and say, man, you've got it easy. I don't. And uh, when actually we've just got to allow ourselves to own where we're at and become and allow God to help us get unstuck. These are just normal people like you and me, but somehow they got themselves unstuck. We're saying, God, we don't just want to do, you know, uh, New Year's resolutions. We're looking to the power of God to shift the way we live our lives, that we can have His freedom and His life flowing through us. So they did a study, thanks, Dwayne, they did a, a study beginning of this year, and uh, they found that half of the Americans that they, that they surveyed were going to have a New Year's resolution this year. Uh, so half of the people uh, were going to do New, New Year's resolutions, and they found that the majority of those, the New Year's resolution was exercise. So I don't know, I won't ask you to put your hand up because then we'll hold you accountable, but uh, maybe you were saying, this is the year I'm going to get fit, or this is the year I'm going to run a race, um, whatever it is. And as you can see, the beginning of the year, everyone starts well, the, the membership, gym membership sales peak. But uh, very quickly, look how quickly between January and February it drops uh, in terms of how many people are wanting to go to the gym. And so then they tracked these people and they found that even though people start well, it normally only takes the, 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 the beginning of the drop-off of gym membership happens by the third Thursday, on average, the third Thursday of January. So you start well on the 1st. By the 21st, <laughs> you're already starting to dip. That doesn't sound too encouraging, does it? Now, they showed another statistic, which is very interesting. They took all of these people, and they showed uh, on, the, on, on the next slide, they showed the, the good intentions to gym and the good intentions not to eat junk food. So the orange line is the hamburgers, and the blue line is gym activity. And so people start off well. Look at how the, the above the average, the gym membership shoots straight up. And at the beginning of the month, everyone's got good um, intentions and there's very little uh, fast food being eaten. By February, things start to change. And they found that the forecast is that by the 9th of February, in other words, 40 days after New Year's, there's a crash that happens and we start to eat more junk food and exercise less. So we're not doing very well. This is not positive if we're waiting just for New Year's resolutions. You get it? And you and I can say we're going to do better. We can intend to do better. But I know how many times I've said, man, this time I'm going to do right. And yet then you blink. You say, whoops, I'm back on that hamster wheel again. Now, I don't know about you, but my Bible tells me that uh, Jesus came to give us life and life to the full. And life to the full does not seem, when I'm 
under the circumstances all the time. And then I'm tempted to point fingers at everyone else saying, oh, you know, you don't have it like I do, therefore I can get off the hook. And so this morning, we're not just talking about, man, we're going to do a new year. This year is going to be the New Year's resolution to beat all of them. No, we're saying, how do we get ourselves unstuck from unhelpful patterns that we can have the life of God flowing through us? So you've been warned. Uh, I spoke to one of the guys at, at uh, half time, and he said, well, funnily enough, I said, yeah, the, the 9th of February is that 40 day. That's when everyone falls flat and eats a hamburger, apparently. He says, yeah, the problem with that is that's my birthday. <laughs> so here we go. So let's see. So uh, we've been having a look at some characters from the Bible to help us. So let me recap just to get to where we are, and then uh, we'll have a look at, at uh, today's uh, character that's going to help us. So uh, thanks, Dwayne. So we said that we're looking at three, three guys. The first was this man um, in, in Acts chapter 3, verse 1, who was uh, 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 an invalid, and he was begging at the gates looking for money, and uh, the disciples come along, and he asks them for money when they, when they want to offer him healing. And so there he was. He's just looking. He's just living, so you can click it there. He's just in survival mode. He's just trying to get enough money. He's begging for money to keep himself alive, come back the next day, and he'll do the same. Have you, have you felt like that ever? You feel like, man, I worked so hard the whole month, and all it is just to keep my customers happy, to pay my bills, to you just you know you expend a hundred and more percent of your energy just to get there and then the first comes around and you've got to start again yeah you feel like that um the the worst part is when you might be feeling really healthy and you've just got your gym working or your health or your walk or your eating and then something goes wrong and you you lose it all and then you've got to get back on that that bicycle again it's amazing how how difficult it is to get going again and so when the disciples see this man, they see him as a distant survival mode. The thing that they say to him, he looks at them for money and they say, no, don't look at your circumstances for what response you're going to get. They say, look up. And so if you are being beset, if your circumstances are keeping you stuck, then we need to look up beyond those things. You know, if you look at, what, at, at, at the same things, you're going to expect the same things. Somewhere along the line, we've got to look to God and expect more. The second guy we spoke about is the guy at the pool. So that little picture, if you can see it, is a, is a little swimming pool with, a, with one of those little ladders. And uh, this guy was sitting at the, at the side of, uh, of the pool, and the, the, the story was that if an angel came and moved the, the, the surface of the water, then the first person to get into the water would get healed. And so Jesus himself comes along and says to this man, do you want to be healed? And all he can do is point fingers at everyone else. And forgive me, it's always a little sensitive. I don't mean to be unsensitive, but would you, would you agree that it's easier to tell people about the reasons we have it tough than to do something about it. I'm not saying we haven't got it tough. I'm not saying we don't wrestle with big things. But it's easier to get into the mud, get down in the doldrums, than it is to allow God to pull us out of the doldrums. Yeah? Yeah? The Bible says, even when it doesn't go my way, then I will still praise him. And so this guy, Jesus himself, I mean, the God of all creation, offers him healing. 
And he says, oh, but you don't understand. Uh, I'm just a victim. You know, it's always been like this. Everyone else has help. I don't have help. Sound familiar? <laughs> hey? The reason I'm laughing is it sounds familiar. You know? It's like, oh, God, you know, this is so difficult. And why, you know, the things, the challenges of work or family or, yeah? You're saying, man, I didn't get it right this time because, God, you don't understand. He understands perfectly. And uh, so Jesus says to him, Wake up. The word there is come to your senses. In other words, you've got to be, your, 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 your whole um, thinking has to change. And then the, the third one, we spoke about Elijah in the Old Testament. And he had come from this major success serving Jesus. He'd done so well. And the truth is in life, you might get the promotion, you might land the client, you might have this really, really highlight. But very quickly, you realize that actually you just got to go back to work tomorrow. Just life keeps going. We, we celebrate our victories, but then very quickly, you can't rest on last week's victory. You know, they say a team is only as good as their last victory, right? No one wants to know in 1920, Footsack, whatever it was, you know, you were, were great. No, they actually need to know now. And so, and so this poor guy, he has these highlights, but then he... He has to run for his life, and he goes into the, into the wilderness. He isolates himself, <laughs> and he says to God, man, that's it. I'm overwhelmed. I, just, I, I can't do this anymore. I don't know if you felt like It's amazing. And, um, <laughs> you know, he says, I can't do this anymore. And it's amazing how the angel says to him, the journey is too much for you. And sometimes we kind of go, oh, the journey is too much for me. Like, it shouldn't be. The truth is, without God, the journey is too much for you. Because how are we to hold on to God in these circumstances? How are we to love our neighbor and to forgive our enemy and to keep our peace and to have faith? And You see, because God expects us, He calls us beyond our humanity to live in a, in a reality that only He can help us. And so He, uh, he calls Elijah aside and He feeds him and He rests him. And then he says, you might be overwhelmed, but I'm not letting you stay there. Get up. You know, one of the amazing things is there's this uh, a social project. Um, it's an amazing NGO. It's called the Heifer Project. And so what they do is they identify communities that are poor, and uh, they, they raise funds, and they, they, they find a, a, a family that, that they can that they can support. And so they, they, they give them a pregnant cow, a heifer. And the point is, you see, when you just receive charity, it's normally a bottomless pit because nothing changes in you. You're just getting a handout. But if they give this family a cow that's pregnant, and then when that calf is born, the agreement is that family then gets to give that calf to another family. So not only are you giving them milk and the potential for an, an income, but you're also giving them nobility and the opportunity to be generous to someone else. Isn't that amazing? It's amazing. It's a beautiful thing. And so here we have the same thing where God says, listen, I'm not just feeding you for today, but actually you've got to get up and do something about it. I want to give you the ability to make a difference somewhere else. And so if you or I want to get unstuck, we've got to learn to look up, Beyond our circumstances and just getting through life, we've got to learn to wake up, shake ourselves free from the clouding in our minds. We've got to get up and do something about it. So, Dwayne, you can give us that next one. And so God says, how does he, how does he uh, help the survivor? By refreshing him. How does he help the martyr? By repositioning him. 
He says, uh, sometimes you've, just, you've, you've got to take a physical shift. I don't know how you wake up in the morning. Maybe you wake up. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm looking at my wife trying to do mental telepathy. So uh, one, of the, one of the little things we're doing at the moment, is it okay? I hope. Yeah, she, she's looking at me saying, where are you going, Craig? One of the little things we're doing at the moment is generally I wake up earlier than Colette. And uh, now what I do is I wake up and I open the curtains because it's easier to wake up in a bright room than it is in a dark room. And so all I'm doing is I'm just repositioning the curtains. It's not rocket science. It's not even brilliant. It's just I'm just repositioning the curtains. But you know what? It helps you wake up. And sometimes just a practical repositioning makes a very big difference in your day. And so for the martyr, instead of, it's about me. No, no, let me reposition and let it be about someone else. And then when we're overwhelmed, God says, get up, he rebukes. And sometimes we've got to go to God and say, God, would you speak to me firmly when I need to be spoken to firmly? I could? All right. So these clever people that did all of this research about these gym people, they found four reasons that the guys could stay on track and last the 21 in the 40 days. And uh, so thanks, Dwayne. They said the guys that had the best chance of getting unstuck, in other words, keeping to their gym schedule and avoiding the hamburger, first of all, were the ones that set goals. So somehow we've got to quantify. I love this thing that, that the Bible says that we should uh, we should do our good works before men that they could see what we're doing and glorify our God in heaven. Sometimes we don't expect to be able to quantify our growth in God. And so they said, if you want to uh, stay unstuck, then set some goals. How do you know when you're getting there if you don't know where that is? The second one is that they focused on one goal at a time. The third one is they focused on the 21 day and the 40 days. So the 21 day is a habit. The 40 day is where the bad habits start to kick in. And then the fourth thing they said is it's people that do it in groups. Now, as believers, we know the power of fellowship. It's very difficult by yourself. But when you have a friend to stand with you, it's a whole lot easier. So of all of those things I've said to us over the last two weeks, Maybe just find one thing that we're going to start working on. So I'm going to help you this morning. Aren't you glad? You can, you can thank Colette. But uh, Dwayne, you can give us that next slide. Would you take out your phone for a moment? Just take out your phone. If you're not taking notes, take out your phone and open your web browser. Take out your phone and open your web browser. I'm not going to ask you to go to your banking app, just your web browser. And you can type in the church, uh, the church website. It's gracecove.coza. So there you go, depending on, on uh, which provider you're with, it might take a little longer, but just go for it, just two steps, and, and uh, I just want to give you some homework. Gracecub.coza, if uh, as the website opens, you'll see on the front page, you'll see this February 21-day Bible challenge. So if you click on that link, big changes start small. I want to suggest to you and I that if we just make a small change, you'll be amazed at the big change that comes. So when you go home, if you click on that link, when you go home, you can have a look at it again. It'll take you to YouVersion, which is a Bible app, and they've got a big drive for February. It's a short month. And so how about starting, beginning of February, starting a new reading plan? Now, there's a whole lot. There's a whole bunch of 21-day reading plans uh, on various topics that might interest you. And so I'm suggesting to you and I this morning that how do we stay unstuck? Well, you set some goals. You focus on one goal. 
Um, you stick at it for 21 days minimum and you let a friend know. You do it in community. So when you start that reading plan, if you're clever, if you're savvy, it'll give you, when you start, it'll give you the opportunity, the, the option whether you want to be public or private. If you be public, you can then invite another friend to your reading plan. So then if I'm reading in the morning and what was my friend in the reading plan, then he will know whether I'm up to date or not. And if I'm not up to date, hopefully he'll be a friend enough to say, <clears throat> my friend, I see yesterday I must have been busy. Are you going to be better today? <laughs> it's gone so quiet. It's so funny. <laughs> Everyone's like, oh, I don't know if I could pull this off. I got, I got a fit of fit of a, a, a peak during the holidays. I started a new reading, new reading plan during the December Christmas holidays. And then I was looking around at other ones and I saw there's a reading plan. You can read the whole Bible in 90 days. The whole Bible in 90 days. How about that? Everyone's like, that's impossible, right? Because we've been told it's impossible. It takes about an hour and a half a day for 90 days. You can read the whole Bible. Now, you're always all going 90 days, nine, nine, what, an hour and a half, it's, it's impossible. It probably has the ability to record your screen time. Just check over the next week how many minutes you spend on Facebook, WhatsApp, web browser, and you'll probably find at least enough time to read your Bible in 90 days. Now, I'm not saying, I just got excited, and then I said, oh dear, maybe I don't know if I can. But anyway, here's the deal. How about 21 days' time? You're saying, man, I was stuck at the beginning of 2019. I was stuck in my reading, my Bible reading. But after 21 days, I'm not stuck anymore. How about that? Set you free, right? Imagine that. All right. So there you go. That one was just for free. But you'll have noticed that each of those three guys, the guy at the gate, the guy at the pool, and the guy at the bush, each of them had to have a change in their thinking, a change in their physical place, and a change in their spiritual thinking as well. And so let's use David to help us uh, to help us navigate and uh, become unstuck this morning. So uh, 1 Samuel uh, chapter 21, please, you can go there so long. So David, you may remember, I don't know if you've read about David, uh, many of us will at least know the, the David and Goliath story. So David was just a young boy, he was one of many brothers, and sadly he was the youngest and kept getting overlooked. And uh, so God sent the prophet to anoint the new king of Israel. And uh, David was so unimportant in the family structure that they didn't even call him. And they left him with the sheep. And eventually the prophet had to ask for him. And so the prophet anoints David as king at 15 years old. And he waits for another 15 years. He only becomes king at 30. So for 15 years, he's pretty much stuck. He's in between. He's not getting where he wants to be. A little later in the story, if you follow the story of, of David, his father sends him to take some food to his brothers who are in the army. And that's where the story of David and Goliath happens. And so there he, he rescues the whole nation of, of Israel. He wins the battle over Goliath and he's, the, the, they, they, they have victory over the Philistine army. And he becomes this great soldier that the whole of the, the, the Israelite nation looks up to. He advances in the army. He becomes a commander in the army. And eventually he becomes the greatest general uh, in, in the nation. So much so that King Saul offers 
uh, David his wife to marry. And so David marries Michael and becomes the king's son-in-law. And uh, then the king becomes jealous because people start to look to David instead of to Saul. And so King Saul wants to murder David. And so David runs for his life. And that's the, the story of David in a, in a nutshell. And we, we can pick it up here. So 1 Samuel chapter 21 and verse 10. It tells us, uh, 1 Samuel 21 verse 10. It tells us that day David fled from Saul and went to Achish, son of Goth. You'll see on the little map there, you'll see Goth just to orient you. And this poor guy uh, ends up in this kind of running from one town to another, one group of people to another to try and keep himself safe. So he goes to the king of Goth, but the servants of Achish said to him, Isn't this David the king of the, 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 isn't this David the king of the land? Isn't he the one they sing about in their dances? Saul has slain his thousands, but David is tens of thousands. David took these words to heart and was very much afraid of Achish, uh, king of Goth. So he pretended to be insane in his presence and he runs to the next place. Uh, next chapter, chapter 22, verse 1, it says, David left Goth and escaped to the cave of Adullam. You can see that on the map there. They went down uh, to him there. Then verse 2 says, all those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gathered around him and he became their leader. About 400 men were with him. You've heard of that, uh, that saying, friends of a feather stick together. Have you heard that? As a pastor, I have to just tell you, I get very worried when I hear about people that are struggling with one issue or another, and then you hear about the people that they are looking to for support. It's like the blind leading the blind. Yeah? Sometimes the very people that you and I go to for help are the people that need help themselves. We need to be so wise. If you're having money problems, don't go to the guy with money problems for help how to run your finances. Yeah? Can I just... Maybe step on a toe for the principle's sake. But you get these people that love to advise you about their money. You know, you financial advisors. I have yet to talk to a financial advisor that's willing to let me know about his finances first. I would like to know, how's your debt levels, friend? Before you tell me what to do with my debt levels. I, I would just like to know. It's like when I go to the doctor, fortunately I don't smoke, but you know, the doctor says you should stop smoking. I would like to ask the doctor, doctor, do you smoke? <laughs> you know that guy that says you must eat healthy. I'd like to ask him, how healthy do you eat? It's amazing to me that we end up going to the wrong people for advice, and then we wonder why we get the wrong advice and we go the wrong way. Trying to think how I got onto that. Birds of a feather, right? So here this poor guy. I mean, he must, he must have been really under pressure. And so he goes and hides out in a dullum in this cave. And these people come to him. And uh, it says they were distressed. I won't ask you to put up your hand because that would be embarrassing. But I wonder how many of us this morning have a level of distress. I mean, already the year starts. Hey. Many reasons to be distressed. What about in debt? I definitely won't ask you to. But <laughs> yeah? I wonder if you just had it quickly. I wonder if you even know. How much do I owe if I own a house? How much do I owe on that? How much do I owe on my car? 
how much you know we'll talk about another time but the average is in South Africa the bank will give you 20% of your salary for a car payment they'll give you 30% of your salary for your house payment if you're a Christian you're going to tithe 10% that only leaves you 40% and out of the 40% you still have to pay tax how can you live <laughs> you understand distressed in debt what about this last one discontented ah sometimes there's just this deep down discontent you might not even be able to say it's because of this it's because of that i'm just not satisfied and these are the guys that came to david and i want to tell you if you're in one of those positions you've got to be careful because those people will find you if you're grumpy with your boss, trust me, somehow the other workers in your company that are also grumpy with the boss, they'll find you out. And you'll start to chat to each other and you'll agree on, you, you'll realize how correct the other one is. The danger with the internet is no matter what position you hold, you can find enough people to support your position. Yeah? Yeah? David f faces this, he's stuck in between a king and him becoming king. He's running for his life and he has these people come around him. The threat there, he could get down <laughs> at the gate, at the pool, at the bush, and he could get stuck right there. And God is so gracious to him because in that process, he works in him a freedom. He gets David unstuck, which brings him eventually to become the king. And so in this moment, surrounded by distressed people, indebted people, discontented people, 1 Samuel 23, verse 16, it's the next chapter. Verse, we'll read from verse 15. It says, while David was at Horish in the desert of Ziph, he learned that Saul had come to take his life. How about that? I mean, not only are you ready to give up, but now you know that Saul's on his way with his army to kill you. Later it tells us 3,000 people, 3,000 army members. Verse 16, it tells us here, it says, And Saul's son, Jonathan, David and Jonathan had a very close friendship. It says, Saul's son, Jonathan, went to David and helped him find strength in God. Right there is David's secret. Everything around him was helping him to stay stuck. But he had one friend who came and found him in the heat of the battle. And he said, man, I'm going to get with you. We're going to find our strength in God. And that's the turning point. And uh, the last, we'll read the last passage, chapter 24, uh, verse 2. It says, So Saul took 3,000 chosen men from Israel and set out to look for David and his men near the crags of the wild goats. He came to the sheep pens along the way. A cave was there, and Saul went in to relieve himself. So he's in the desert. He needs to rest. And so he goes into the cave. And as I've been reading this, my, my mind has been playing all these sort of bad um, nights, uh, uh, you know, um, Knights and Castles movies. Because could you picture the, the dramatic irony? So Saul goes to rest in a cool cave, and there David and his men are hiding at the back of the cave. I mean, you know, what do they, shh, shh, what happened? And so Saul lies down to, to rest. And so his, his soul, David's soldiers are saying, this is your opportunity. Assassinate the king and you'll get the crown. It's like many of us would be saying, oh, thank you, Jesus. You've answered my prayers. 
But David has found his strength in God. He doesn't look to the circumstances. He looks up. He looked up. He woke up, and now he's doing something about it. So he cuts a piece of uh, Saul's cloth, uh, uh, clothes off to prove that he could have killed him, but he didn't. And then um, we'll read in verse 8. It says, Then David went out of the cave. He called to Saul. So now Saul leaves, and David comes out of the cave, and he confesses, obviously at a safe distance. He says, My Lord King, when Saul looked uh, behind him, David bowed down and prostrated himself with his face to the ground. He said, uh, verse 10, it says, This day you have seen with your own eyes how the Lord delivered you into my hands in the cave. Some urged me to kill you, but I spared you. I said I will not lift my hand against my master because he is the Lord's anointed. You see the process that God has taken this man in. He starts well. He's a favorite son, although he's overlooked. And then he begins to progress and he does well. He gets some victories and he kills Goliath and he becomes well known and famous. He's, he's the Israelite celebrity. And uh, then he marries and he becomes the son-in-law of the king. Things are going well for him. Then the, then the king gets jealous and he has to run for his life. And he's surrounded by these people just like him, all stuck in the doldrums. His friend helps him to find something that he didn't have, an ingredient that was missing. He finds his strength in the Lord. And then even when he's given the opportunity to, by his own wits, uh, get his future right, he hangs on to the Lord. And so God takes these people who are stuck, the distressed, the indebted, and the discontented, and he turns them around. He transforms them into a mighty army, and he brings David into the position of being the king. Now, I'm trusting this morning that the Holy Spirit will put his finger on an area or more in our lives where we will admit, not Craig, I'm stuck, but Lord, I'm stuck. You see, because God wants us to be free. He wants us to live in this place where we can find our strength in the Lord, where we don't resort to our own efforts, our own abilities. Let me kill the king, get his position. No, no, let me find my strength in the Lord and God will make a way. And so, Dwayne, you can give us that, that next slide. Most areas where, oh, you can skip on. Most areas where we find ourselves stuck would fit into one of these five. The first is, would be matters of faith. We asked our life group the other night, we went around, we said, let's be honest, let's just live in accountability. Where are we stuck? And so everyone was embarrassed to admit, but eventually we got talking. You know, the most of them were faith and exercise. <laughs> it's easy to become stuck in our faith. Hey, well, I've helped you out already. 21 days, small start, 21 day time. You might be able to say, man, I've finished, tick, I finished a whole reading plan. Uh, how, how close are you to Jesus? How sure are you in the call of God? We feel like we are stuck. God, I serve, serve you, but, you know, for years I haven't felt close to you. Have you ever got in that place for a long time? Because it's amazing how quickly time goes by. You actually realize, well, it's been longer than I think. It's not just a week. I haven't prayed. It's a long time I've felt far from God. The second thing is, uh, what about our family and our friends, our relationships? So easy, you just get stuck into feeding the kids and paying the bills and taking out the, the rubbish, and we actually don't invest in our relationships, in our family and friends. The third one would be in our finances. 
man, I'm, I'm, I'm in debt and I'm slowly getting worse into debt. And just when I think I'm going to pay off some debt, then I've got some more payments to make. And uh, what about our getting our finances? How about our work? Is work uh, fulfilling or is it just part of the daily grind? What about the fourth one, our fitness, which speaks about our health and our exercise? <laughs> you see, someone was telling me again at halftime, they're saying, um, I've turned 40. This guy was telling me, I've turned 40. And uh, you know how hard it is to exercise in your 40s. <laughs> um, it's amazing how we always think, you know, next month or next year or next holiday, I'll make a start. And we find that we get ourselves stuck in our health. We're stuck in our, our eating habits. We're stuck in our exercise habits. We're just never quite getting there. And the, the last one, number five, is our future. Sometimes we, we start off in life, we think, man, I'm going to take over the world. And then after a few years, you realize, well, I haven't quite taken over the world yet. And our future starts to worry our future. We get stuck in this panic about where am I going in life? Sometimes the antidote to that is just ignoring. We put our head in the sand. <laughs> we fear that we're not, we're not putting enough for our pension, so I just won't think about ever going on pension. I wonder how we're doing in terms of our faith, our relationship with Jesus. I wonder whether we're stuck in our relationships with our family and friends. I'm wondering whether we're stuck in our finances. We're actually not going forward with our money. We're probably going backwards. What about in our health, in our fitness? It's one of the most common. What about in our sense of security in our future? In a moment, I'm going to ask you to uh, respond if you would and say, Jesus, I need you to help me to become unstuck. I need a friend. <laughs> to help me find my strength in God. We're not just talking about, man, I'm going to have a new, you know, turn over a new leaf. No, we're talking about getting, finding our strength in the Lord. And so I want to show you one, one more little, little picture and then we'll draw this to a close. So when we talk about finances and how we get out of debt, we say the debt snowball method is this way. You take all your debts, you list them smallest to largest, and you actually need to know what they are to write them down. So isn't this wonderful? Debt number one is only 10 rand. It's great. Debt number two is 20, and three is 30, and four is 40. So wouldn't that be nice if you owed 40 rand only? Now maybe you could put there, instead of debt one, you could put faith. Instead of debt two, you could put family. Instead of debt three, you could put finances or fitness or future. Then what you need to do is somewhere in your life, you've got to find a little bit extra. You can see there, you've got to pay the minimums, keep current, and then find extra. If you just can find five rand more and you put them together, you now have 15 rand. Man, that debt number one gets paid off quicker. When you've paid that off and there's a zero balance, you take the five and the 10 and you apply it to the next debt. So now you've got 15. So 20 plus 15 is 35. You'll pay that off so much quicker. And the momentum increases. That's the wonderful thing. Look at debt number three. By the time you've paid off debt number two, you've got 35 to add to debt three, which means you're already doubled. And by the time you get to debt four, it's more than. And man, you quickly get free. Now, if you're worrying about paying off your debt, this will work for you guaranteed. You're welcome to come chat to one of us. We'll encourage you on your way. 
But my point this morning is to talk about our lives, not just our money. And so if you're saying it is my faith, it is my family, it is my fitness, it is my finance, it is my future, somewhere along the line we've got to make a shift. Remember, we've got to look from our circumstances, we've got to look up. From everything that's around us, we've got to wake up and we've got to get up. There actually has to be a change. How do you and I stop feeling like we're far from God? Can I give you an amazingly complex tip? Well, you've got to get closer to God. (laughs) How do you do that? Well, it might take five more minutes brushing your teeth, praying. Somewhere we've got to find the extra five. It might take five more verses. It might take (laughs) five words of tenderness to a loved one it might take five extra minutes at work so i can get ahead it might take (laughs) five things that i don't buy this month somewhere along the line you've got to get that little bit extra you've got to find the strength from the lord to make a change and then you stick with it makes sense i try to be as practical as i can this morning we're not just talking about new leaf it's not just practical it's simple as you could write it down So I'm asking this morning, would you allow God just to prick your heart? Remember, we don't want to try and change our whole lives today because it won't work. The most success is those that choose one area to start with. You just start with the smallest. When I've succeeded there, I take the success there and I put it on to the next one. Last, uh, Last slide there, Dwayne. There's this beautiful scripture. It says in Proverbs 31, verse 25, she is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. Every time I read that passage, I think, man, there's an atmosphere about that verse that seems to me something to be admired. I I mean, have you got a friend? Most of us shudder when we think of the future. When you think about, (laughs) you know, it's Monday, but Friday is coming. The end of the week it's, it's the beginning of the month, but month end is coming. I've got all this work to do. It's most of us, when we think of the future, we shudder. But this woman is blessed, and she, she's an uh, example. She's clothed with strength and dignity, but the key is she can laugh at days to come. I tell you, if you and I know how in our stuck moments to find our strength in God, that we can get unstuck very quickly, the future is not fearful for us. We can laugh at things to come because I found my strength in the Lord. So what I'd like to do, I'd like to give us all an opportunity to change our position. (laughs) There's nothing super spiritual whether you stand or sit or jump up and down. But remember we've said sometimes just a change of position makes a difference. And I'd like to ask you, if you say, God, I have an area in mind that I'd like to be unstuck. I'm asking you for your power to get me unstuck. Then all I'd like you to do this morning is to stand with me and I'm going to pray and we'll bring it to a close. So just in case you're feeling shy like uh, we all do, I'm standing because I'm praying for myself, not just because I'm preaching. Uh, Often it's we feel guilty that I'm not perfect and that hinders us actually doing something about it. So let's pray. You with me. Jesus.
We want to live this life to the full that you promise. We want to have enough that we can share with others, Lord. We don't just want to be trying to keep our nose above water in whichever area that there's no extra to share with others. And so Jesus, this morning, whether we're stuck with our health, whether we're stuck with our faith, whether we're stuck with our relationships, Lord, with our work. Father, for those of us that feel like we're just in a dead end, like we, we're not making progress, in Jesus' name today, Lord, we ask that we would find our strength in you. I pray even now, Holy Spirit, that you would help us to know where will we find the equivalent of that extra five. Is it something to do with our time or our routine? Is it something to do with what we allow ourselves to think about? Is it something to do with an action that we need to take? Sometimes just practical brings the spiritual. And so, Jesus, we pray today that your power would flood us, fill every area of our lives. We ask, Jesus, that you'd help us to pick a goal, to focus on that, and then with your help to succeed. I do pray, Lord, over our relationship with you, over our relationship with others. I pray for our finances and our getting of wealth. I pray over our health and our exercise. And I pray over our futures. Lord, that we would laugh <laughs> because we know that we are safe in your hands and that you are getting us unstuck and moving us forward in Jesus' name. We pray, God, that we would encourage each other along the way, that we would have great testimonies to tell over the next coming days of how the life of God is flow flowing through us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Wawa.